0: This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash show.
1: This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of January 19th, 2019. D.C. Brewers sues the government over the shutdown.
0: People are out of work, so let's get them a beer.
2: Dogfish Head is trying to make you feel so good to be alive.
3: Flying Dog is not low, nor is their new drink. All this and more on Have a Drink News.
0: Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
1: I'm Justin Fraser.
0: I'm Christopher Walker.
1: And I'm Casey Price. First up, from vinepair.com, D.C. Brewery sues government over inability to sell beer because of shutdown. What's it's, really, the least- it's,
2: the, it's the real cost of the shutdown.
1: It's true. Washington, D.C.'s Atlas Brew Works is suing the federal government over the inability to sell one of its beers as a result of the government shutdown. The suit was filed Tuesday in U.S. District Court in D.C., The DSCist reports. That's an interesting (laughs) sentence. The precious one, an apricot IPA, cannot be sold in kegs over state lines because those labels have not been approved. Although can labels for the new beer were approved before the shutdown, keg collars were not. This leaves 40 barrels of IPA sitting in limbo, unsellable, and taking up valuable tank space at the brewery. I have a solution. Can it.
2: Well, can it. That's a simpler (laughs) one. Or... Put that label on the keg, and then take the keg, change the top, and make it one giant (laughs) pop-top.
1: There you go. Atlas Brewworks is filing the suit against U.S. Attorney General Matthew Whitaker on the grounds that the government is violating the brewery's First Amendment rights, saying that its labels are a form of free speech. That's how we speak to consumers, John Cox, founder and CEO, said. We're unable to exercise that right without approval from the federal government. That's a stretch. Yeah. It's either that or interstate commerce and DC's that, not a state.
2: Well, yeah. <laughs> but it would be selling the stuff that are in other states
1: which would still be right. That, I would, would go, I would have gone clause.
2: more. I would have gone more that route. Than, <laughs>
1: We don't want Atlas to be prosecuted for speaking to its customers, Alan Guara, Atlas's attorney, said. Everybody's got one. We can't force the government to reopen. We can't make them go to work. But the court should not allow Atlas Atlas, to be prosecuted for speaking without an available license. Guara also represented Flying Dog Brewery for a freedom of speech suit in 2015 regarding the brewery's Raging Bitch label. They succeeded in that lawsuit. Whether Atlas wins this case is difficult to predict, but it emphasizes the shutdown's impact on brewery production schedules. At the very least, Atlas Brewworks also made hot headlines this week with a slightly more positive result of the shutdown. The company is among the first to sign on to the Pay It for load, Furloughed, yes, yes, that's a dad joke, a project <laughs> providing free beer to federal employees who are without pay at this time. More with that story, <laughs> Brittany.
3: Wow, that's... <laughs> the segues couldn't be better.
1: Uh, yeah, I was going
2: quick... to try to come in with it. I was like, uh, never mind. Real quick before
3: uh, she actually starts, just got to say, he kind of has no legs, or that brewery kind of has no legs to stand on with this lawsuit, and I see it being dismissed rather quickly when the government gets back up and going.
2: This was an attention grab.
3: Yeah, and it, it succeeded.
1: <sighs> I don't know. Like The the thing is, a, a, this type of lawsuit would only do them any good if there was like some sort of injunction where they could go ahead and produce the beer during if this lasts more than... And I don't know what happened. There was supposed to be an announcement at 4 o'clock today. I don't know what happened at that announcement. But um, the the only way that this could be helpful is if the shutdown lasts beyond the amount of time it takes a lawsuit to go through. And nobody wants that.
0: Hmm. Yeah. All right, well, Uh. so that free beer. This is a story from uh, CNN, I believe. Yeah. Um, now you can do the same for federal employees forced to work or not work without paying during the partial government shutdown as far as offering, like offering your friend a beer. Um, pay it furloughed? Is it? So that's how we're saying that? Furloughed? That's how the word is? Yeah. Okay. Furloughed.
1: Furlough is the, the word. So I'm guessing that's how they furlough.
0: I, I just never seen the word before and I'm uh. like, what? Uh, okay. So it's a crowdfunded website that lets anyone donate a beer for an impacted federal worker as long as there are beers available anyone with a government id who can legally drink can down as many as they want at partner locations across washington uh free beer makes everything a little bit better even a shutdown the organization tweeted (laughs) well that's probably not wrong um each -hmm. beer costs seven dollars fifty cents excuse me which covers the price of a drink plus 10 percent for sales tax credit card processing fees, and website maintenance, according to the site, which tracks the number of available donations in real time. That's fair, I guess. I mean, you used to... That credit card stuff is always what gets everybody. Um, So it says, why beer? The project began over dinner as food writer Nevin Martell and his collaborator Al Goldberg chatted about all the people they knew in the Washington area who were hurt by the shutdown. The pair, along with two other partners, ceded $1,000 to pay for 133 beers ...to jumpstart the project, Martel told CNN. Since Sunday, more than 2,000 beers have been donated from all over the world... ...including Japan and the Netherlands, the group said in a statement. Um, The creators are already brainstorming ways to expand to include food and breweries in other cities. Their challenge is to make sure new partners are honest... ...and actually use the money to buy furloughed federal employees' drinks, Martel explained. Uh, They said they look at it as a win-win... People get to do something good, employees experience something good, and breweries get the business they deserve. Uh, in fact, one participating brewery, Atlas Brewworks, separately, huh. yeah, separately has sued the Trump administration over the shutdown, citing its inability to sell a new craft beer to out-of-state oh. customers during this period. Gee, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> uh, A
3: little behind baseball, we actually ordered these stories without knowing they run directly into <laughs> each, other. To each other. Good job. Good First job off, us. I've never
1: heard of behind baseball.
3: Inside
0: oh, inside baseball. baseball. Uh,
1: second, um, I actually read another article earlier this week about how it could be illegal for these things, for a, a, a government employee to accept these um, oh, three sucks. things that they're being given out, as well as the... Um, all the, the workers that have created GoFundMe pages and people have been giving them money, um, it could be illegal because the federal employees are not allowed to have income in coming from another source because they could be influenced when making decisions. Yep. Um, and so the yeah. brewery that gives you a free beer may be influencing you to put their labels through quicker. I don't know. But that's, that's sort of the the y side of it that they're looking at right now.
3: I I don't think anybody's going to
1: get sued over this,
3: That's the least of anybody's concerns right now. (laughs) Now, Mm -hmm. my whole problem with this is what happens when the shutdown abruptly ends? Because when it does end, it will be rather abruptly. It'll just be like, nope, back to work tomorrow. And (laughs) And what happens when everyone's hung over? The surplus of money that will be in this project, what happens to the money then? Does Does it just stay with this group uh, if there's you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in it or what just wait till the
1: next time that it's there's a shutdown <laughs> wait till next you know year happened? when
3: then wait till next year when the next shutdown happens yeah.
1: just wait for a budget year <laughs> <sighs> no right. i figure that they'll still be like okay you know you were a furloughed employee the, let's the, wait, give you a beer uh, even yeah, if you're back to work now
2: we'll give him like you know till the end of the month to run out the
1: Run the tag Or not out. the fund or something. Yeah, or, or have a huge party. I actually see that, like a oh, back-to-work party. That,
3: that would be a good idea. $50,000 back-to-work party.
2: <laughs> go back to work. You're going to be hungover. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Dogfish Head may have the beer for you for that, so maybe at least it's a little healthier when you go back.
3: <laughs> right. I like this story. Yeah.
2: So, uh... Got this from Esquire. Uh, Dogfish Head made uh, made an IPA that is low-cal and low-carb as a Miklob Ultra. I don't believe it. Du- dubbed Slightly Mighty, uh, <laughs> the beer is the result of a year and a half of molecular research pushed by Dogfish Head's founder and president, Sam Calgione. I had to take a deep breath to make sure I said the right name.
3: Because he d- look like at What?
1: Chuck Mangioni? <laughs> right.
3: Sam Mangione. no, what has he uh, not done for beer at this point? Like the man's just like there's a problem here and then he he like disappears into his garage home brewery for a few weeks and then comes running out like Dr. Brown or something and his hair is suddenly white and all frazzled everywhere. His
2: hair's blown back, he's got goggles on, they're like blacked out. Like
1: it's a brew. <laughs> I feel like he's yeah he's that mad scientist style, but I think he's either crazy genius or really taking some good LSD. I think because he comes up latter. with these great ideas that are so off the wall all the time.
3: Yeah. yeah, and
1: it's like every month. I mean, we do a new show about beer, and every month he's got a headline
3: out there. He's
1: doing something.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sam well, Calgioni, the man, does a lot of LSD. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Have a drink, James. Uh No, uh, he's
1: decided he to break that it- story.
2: Yeah, he started to make a beer that's healthy-ish. Uh, yeah. Uh, however le- unlikely that may seem, uh, it is a legitimate IPA that uh, both beer geeks and average folks will dig. Uh, and they have a quote from here saying, that's why I started developing these beers. Uh, he said, I thought, well, I'm not going to slow down my drinking, so I better get start innovating. And right there, that's the spirit of the man we need to,
3: like, just... Calgioni 20. Calgioni 2020. USA. USA. <laughs> Cal- I would USA. vote for that. Okay,
0: can we make a bumper sticker that says Calgioni <laughs> Cook 2020?
1: <laughs> oh. Although is is Doesn't cook, matter. Cook. It could be either
0: Trump.
1: Cook. Well, no, no, no. I'm just saying is Cook spelled the same as the Cook brothers?
0: It's a K O C
3: H. Depending. So do very you want-
1: close to
2: the Coke br- That spelling is yeah, close to the Koch brothers. I know what you're They're thinking. Or the Koch
1: of. brothers, not the Koch brothers, but the Koch brothers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, well, Calgiano maintains a very active lifestyle, the kind that might not be expecting for a beer mogul pushing fifty. Doesn't
3: you know, when you it. see
2: pictures of him, he looks good for fifty.
3: Man looks good.
2: 50, but money will do that though. <laughs> uh, but pounding the high ABV extreme
3: ales. That'll that do that for
2: you. <laughs> pickled well-preserved they'll give you that, uh, that
3: dad bod that i've got going <laughs> gives mm. you and it's not a six-pack it's a keg on the front uh
2: anyway uh by pounding these extreme ales that put them on the map uh like extreme!
3: the
2: 18 percent worldwide stout mm, so good oh, so good but so strong uh and had been uh, had been getting harder and harder. Sea Quench Ale was the first of his new products released in 2016. His v- vision to make the most thirst quenching beer ever.
3: Uh, uh, we are uh, currently in Janu Quinchy. where you can get a badge <laughs> on Untapped.
1: No, no, no. Should have no, been no.
3: should have been like no. qu- should have been like <laughs> Yes, that would have been better. But it's Genuine Quinchy
2: Jenny <laughs> Quinchy just
3: makes he didn't kinda... come up with
2: that name. Lots <laughs> of sure? LSD.
3: Uh, <laughs> Again, yeah, lots of LSD.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, back to the electrolytes and black lime, sour lime juice, and sea salt. Its production was aided by a scientist from Gatorade Sports Science Institute. what hmm. uh, want to work there. <laughs> right? I feel so hydrated. <laughs> so they're from Brondo, Plant The plants <laughs> will be thankful.
1: They crave it.
2: <laughs> they crave it. Uh... Calgione's latest vision uh, was slightly mighty. I keep I keep having trouble saying slightly in front of Like that. that can't be the right word. Uh, it has only 95 calories and 3.6 carbs. Uh, compare that with Michelob Ultra's 95 calories and 2.5 carbs. 12-ounce uh, serving of Dogfish Head's 90-minute IPA, on the other hand, has 294 uh, 94 calories.
3: hmm And what was it we were talking about last week? How many calories are in a bottle of uh, breakfast stout from Founders? It was like 300-something?
2: It's all calories.
3: Yeah, it's just straight calories.
2: 12 ounces of calories. (laughs) Um Well, craft beers tend to loathe big business macro beers, and any brewery uh, would want a piece of that of Miclob Ultra's remarkable excess. It's one of the few conglomerate-owned factory beers whose wholesale has trended upwards this decade, with a whopping 21% in the last year alone. Mm. Making it the sixth best-selling beer in America. Uh, Good beer hunting noted back in October has become so popular, Ultra has essentially created its own untouchable sub-segment. A lot of golfers out there. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Calgione is acutely aware of this noting younger people are more cognizant of living a healthy lifestyle even while drinking a major trend across the entire alcohol industry at the moment is creating healthy or healthier products uh, <laughs> the article goes on a bit here talking about like you, you know booze is inherently poison and most low beers taste terrible uh, that's why McLob Ultra resembles uh, beer-flavored LaCroix <laughs> Calgione realized that he needed something that would help maintain flavor, and he found it in all-natural Chinese monk fruit extract. That is the most dogfish head so, sentence.
3: Yeah. So, I, <laughs> the way I picture this went down is Sam was out looking for new things to brew a beer with or to make a beer resemble, and he's out in like the Himalayas at some kind of monastery, tripping on LSD, going through the mountains with the monks. And they finally, like, drop this fruit on him, and he has that, like, mind-blown experience. He's like, I must have brewed it!
2: Well, apparently this fruit extract, it's almost as expensive per ounce as cocaine.
1: Oh my god! What? <laughs> but it's much more sweet than sugar, I think?
2: Yeah, luckily you don't have to use a lot. You put it a, just a little in your mouth, and you're like, oh my god, that's sweet.
3: I thought you were going to say it's uh, so much better than cocaine. <laughs> I was going to be like, what? Where are we going with this? Well, you know,
2: they haven't tried snorting it yet. Uh, even at 300 times the sweetness of raw sugar, the uh, monk fruit extract doesn't add any calories or carbs. Uh, Calgione tells, uh says that it has become hot shit in the health and wellness industry of late. God, man, I love Calgione that man. is dropping a lot of, like, I'm like, man... <laughs> I want to talk to this
3: man. Casey, <laughs> why did you not go get a pour from him while you were at GABF? You just sent us a I picture know. and walked on. It's like, no. I didn't want to be that weird guy. They're, everyone's that weird guy. I know. <laughs> I was that just about to say different.
0: that. We're, everybody who is weird who wants to go, go up and
3: like just gawk at Sam Calgioni. It's true. It's like uh, Gnome got to meet uh, Jim Cook, and it's if just like, just... no, I would have fangirled out. I would have been up there like, ah, ow, oh my God. <laughs>
2: I would have become the Jonah Hill. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. You know, just, ah! <laughs> anyway, uh, apparently they uh, they use a proprietary enzyme technique uh, at Dogfish Head to dry out the monk fruit, so the beer isn't sickly sweet. Uh, in fact, Slidy
1: Mighty is bone dry. What? what? Say that one more time the way. Slatty you... Mighty. Okay. Uh, never mind. It, it just sounded odd for for some reason. <laughs> The, the so it, uh, it sounds the it like, is odd. It's hard for me to say. It, it sounds a lot like a uh, Bloodhound Gang song. Yeah. Slyty uh, Mighty. The, uh, mighty Tidy Whitey. Smuggling plums yeah. or something.
2: Yes, Mighty Tidy Whitey is an I'm Smuggling Yes, that's it. It has a fragrant hot preference with a pleasant tropical notes of pineapple and mango. The body's palate, however, is much more like brute champagne uh, like likewise, the monk fruit creates a thicker mouthfeel, which makes the beer, beer feel less like your typical thin diet brew. It's fizzy and refreshing, though hardly just hoppy water like many session beers. Apparently, you can get it now at Dogfish Head's uh, Delaware tasting room. In April, bottles will also start landing in several states. So will a special off-center activity box, which is essentially a cardboard cooler filled with cans of Slidy Muddy, sequench, and Super Eight. Another recent brewery innovation made with superfoods like prickly pear and toasted Kiona? Kino? I don't know what the name is. Quinoa? Quinoa? Well, uh, hold on, I have to look at this last. Uh, he has one last quote here. Uh, we just know there's a... Uh, they asked him about his, about the marketing pot- potential. He says, we just know there's a shit ton of drinkers out there that want a lot of flavor and don't want all those calorie and carbs.
3: Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. so, True
2: yeah uh, by the way apparently this whole interview was done on the phone uh in between games at uh, uh in between hockey games for him
3: sure sure <laughs> and I like why not this guy's just living the life <laughs> that's why he was so blunt and forward about it speaking of being blunt and forward oh uh flying uh, dog I,
1: hmm? I do have let me see if I can share without destroying Brittany's Stream here. Share my okay. Well, I'll just forward it to Brittany. I do have the bumper sticker ready to go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my gosh! I gotta find it. All right. Well, um, while they try to find it, uh, Flying Dog is releasing a THC infused medicinal medicinal uh, cannabis beer. Uh, so they actually we've talked about this at length for the past few months. Because everyone knew the day would come that this would happen, and we all said exactly the only way this would happen, and that's actually exactly what happened. So, Maryland-based Flying Dog Brewery is collaborating with Greenleaf Medicinal to release the state's first THC-infused beer this year. According to a press release, uh, the beer named Hop Chronic will be a non-alcoholic IPA, which is one of the things you said. You're not going to be able to mix THC and alcohol. That's just not going to happen. Uh, Hop Chronic will serve as a medical delivery system, the release says, providing cannabis patient, patients with the therapeutic uh, cannabinoids CBD, CBG, and THC. Wait, the,
2: isn't CBG a uh, concert venue in New York? You're, you're saying PCBG.
3: CBGB. CBGB, yeah. Uh, the beer, a lot of uh, letters there. Yeah, the beer will be sold in six packs or in single serve 12 ounce cans. And will be available at dispensaries throughout Maryland. So this is state level in Maryland. Only at dispensaries can you get it. We see a lot of interest if cannabis from the craft beer community. We can and we jumped at the opportunity to partner with Greenleaf. Ben Savage, uh, Flying Dog's chief marketing officer said, uh, "There are definitely so that's sim- what he's been doing
2: since Wonder <laughs> Years.
3: <laughs> that and getting kidnapped by Deadpool." There are definitely similarities between the natural flavor profiles we extract from hops and, uh, what? oh, I keep seeing uh, the message for the bumper sticker that they've mocked up already, <laughs> uh, and the cannabinoids found in cannabis. In a way, uh, the cannabis industry is a lot like the craft beer movement, was a few decades ago. Uh, yeah, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah. We have to educate people and change the overall perception of what cannabis is and what it could be and how it might benefit people. Flying Dog and Green Leaf see Hop Chronic as the first of many collaborations, and beer-inspired cannabis strains as well as cannabis strain-inspired beer recipes are both said to be in the works this year.
2: By the way, I believe I have a retraction to make. Uh, ben Savage was not in The Wonder Years. It's his younger brother. Ah. Fred Savage was in The Younger, younger Years. Ben Savage was in Bo- Boy Meets World. Well... It my sur- joke, and I made
3: the mistake. <laughs> Is anyone actually surprised that Flying Dog was the first to do this? I'm surprised Laguanitas
2: was not the first to do this.
3: Right, that's where I, my head was going. Like how how have they not been? But the first they've
2: to do got this? they've got inertia from uh, they got uh, Heineken.
3: Yeah, they got big uh, they got big European money now.
2: You're right. Um, uh, what's the other? There's another one that's that's all about. All about making their 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 weed is
3: their beers danky. Oh I mean, yeah, that's their their
2: their beers weedy. That's their, like every... their...
3: <laughs> weedy. I mean of... that's
2: the the Lagunitas thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was thinking there was somebody else
3: that that every other small brewery <laughs> like. Oh <Well>, yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, any brewery that has a beer named uh, Benjamin Danklin. <laughs> oh
1: my goodness.
3: But <laughs> well, the cans are pretty great they've got the uh, they have the traditional flying dog art and the it's the the dispensary like the the little logo for dispensaries only it's got two snakes in their style of art
2: well it's got like the medical symbol yeah. the, the, the um caldeus, yeah. something like that
3: caduceus, caduceus. it's green yeah. to signify you know you can get you you can get your dank on here. And but they're, let they're,
1: me say this. That is not the Caduceus. Mm. So, um, Pet Peeve of Mine. And I love finding it. That is actually the Staff of Hermes. Right. And not the Caduceus. And the Staff of Hermes is more about trickster type stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ways. Caduceus has one snake. Staff of Hermes has two. Oh, okay. I
2: was going to say, like, both were actually used by Hermes because he was also with doctors.
1: Oh, uh, so Hermes is uh, the the way that's kind of looked at is he's kind of the the god of tricksters. Um, oh, where is the the guide to the dead? Uh, nope, that's Chiron. No, oh, no, no, no. Hold on. Here it is. Guide of the dead, protector of merchants, shepherds, gamblers, liars, and thieves. But yes. I <laughs> see his staff on the side of every hospital out there. And I'm like, so you're guiding the dead? Is that what you're doing? Um, have you got a lot of liars and thieves inside? I'm like, okay,
3: yeah, so that makes you, sense. It, you go, you start going to that list, and I immediately, immediately flash to the first Hellboy <laughs> movie when he's going over uh, the Hound of Resurrection, like the Lord of Pestilence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so yeah, uh, you want to get your uh, you want to get your true dank on in a beer? You can do that in Maryland, but there's going to be no alcohol involved.
1: You know, I highly suggest not mixing alcohol and <laughs> marijuana. Just saying, I highly suggest it.
2: Two 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 different depressants in your body at once. What it could go? Never wrong? does
1: never does good things from what I hear. Um, <laughs> and apparently, marijuana gives you uh, heart palpitations as well. So. Hmm. Um, who knew?
0: Casey, I'm still trying to find a way to show the flipping picture. So.
1: I'm getting ready to tweet it out. So you, yeah, can, yeah. you may want to just retweet it under that. I'm going to tag uh, Dogfish Head and Sam Adams in it as well.
0: <laughs> you should, <laughs> yes.
1: So it'll be fun that way. We'll just link to the tweet. But if you aren't talking about Dogfish Head, you know, or maybe uh, Sam Adams, or maybe even not talking about Flying Dog, you're probably talking about Sierra Nevada. So Sierra Nevada coming from brewbound.com commits 1 sorry 10 million to grant programs in wildlife ravage North Carolina California. Hopefully North Carolina, why not, right? They've got a facility there.
3: I oh, say so that's where yep. we're going next month.
1: Sierra Nevada Brewing is committing at least $10 million to a new grant program aimed at providing relief to the Northern California communities affected by last November's campfire, the most destructive wildfire in the state's history. Chico-based Sierra Nevada is partnering with two charitable organizations, the North Valley Community Foundation and the Aaron Rogers NorCal Fire Recovery Fund on the creation of the Butte Strong Fund. I'm assuming that's Butte, right? Yep. Yep. A grant program that will provide funding to organizations in six areas, housing, children and youth services, health and wellness, education, community development, and business recovery. However, the fund will not provide direct assistance to individuals affected by the wildfire, which killed 85 people, displaced mm-hmm. tens of thousands of residents, and destroyed more wow. than 18,800 structures. Eesh. Coming from Alexa Benson, of Valvanus, president and CEO of the North Valley Community Foundation. She says in a press release, we've established the Butte Strong Fund to address the long and difficult road ahead in pursuit of true healing and recovering recovery for our communities. Sierra Nevada spokeswoman Robin Gregory told Brubound that the three organizations teamed up in an effort to increase their impact by pooling the resources and to avoid duplicating their efforts. Recipients will be announced in the coming weeks, she added. The majority of Sierra Nevada's contribution to the Butte Strong Fund will come from proceeds of its Resilience IPA fundraising program. About a week after the start of the campfire, Sierra Nevada announced plans to brew Resilience IPA and donate the proceeds to relief efforts. Inspired by a similar – man, good timing on that side because uh, the shutdown would have really put a damper on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Inspired by a similar fundraising – actually – Maybe not because the, the vast majority are serving it inside the tap room where you don't have to have the label, but I yeah. digress. Uh, inspired by similar fundraising efforts launched by Russian River founders Vinny and Natalie Cholerzo, who raised more than $1.1 for wildlife relief efforts in Sonoma and Napa and also are big innovators in the wild ale movement, if you want to listen to the show that comes up after this. Sierra Nevada founder Ken Grossman encouraged beer companies from across the country to brew their own versions of beer called Res- Resilience IPA and donate the proceeds nearly 1,500 breweries agreed to. Gregory estimates as much as $15 million could potentially be raised through the Resilience IPA program if the 1,484 breweries that signed up for the program produced their stated commitment levels. So... A lot of money coming back in and helping those folks in Northern California.
3: It's good to yeah. see, like this is a real world because everyone has been wondering, you know what what exactly are they going to be doing with the money being raised through resilience? And it's flat out like, no, right here it is, and it's you know, it's happening now. Like this, the money that's come in so far is going to immediately start impacting things.
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, it it's. I think we've talked a bit about them doing the resilience stuff before, and some of the places they're doing it. But it's if you do happen to see any of that on on draft anywhere, or you know in a bottle or anything, go grab some. Uh, I just think it's really neat to 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 be doing something like this. You know, they don't necessarily have to, but no, yeah, they're they going didn't out of their way to. to to help out.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they, I mean, day one of the campfire, they were, as soon as they, their facility was all right and not in danger anymore, they opened the tap room, and were just like, hey, if you lost, you know, you lost everything, come here, we can, we can clothe you, we can get you a hot meal, and they just opened their tap room up to everyone.
0: I got nothing on the transition on this one. (laughs) Speaking Speaking of of uh, ravaged. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. Uh. Oh, jeez, okay, Uh, (laughs) um. so uh game of thrones dornish wine is brought to real life um this is by uh uh, saint emilion vintner
1: emilion emilion i guess Uh, that's probably correct that's that's
0: gotta be correct uh so um by
2: saint emilion vintner
0: (laughs) god uh, the end is coming. The final season for, of everyone's favorite medieval fantasy gore fest drama. That's about the good, best way to sum that up. Uh, debuts on a- HBO this April. And we're not quite prepared to say goodbye to all the incredible wine references made throughout the show. Um, but one winery in Bordeaux has come up with a way for wine loving super fans to give a proper send off to the beloved series. A taste of a real life version of that fantastic Dornish wine. All those Westerosi... Uh, Enophiles, Tyrion mm. in particular, have been ravening about. Ravening uh, is what they put. It hurts me. No. <laughs> uh, yes,
2: because we all love those wines that come from the desert.
0: <laughs> right. Uh Vigneron the Bolt Bardet Question mark? Anyway, uh so in that in that region that we also already mentioned, uh got the idea to research how wine from Dorne would actually taste based on uh, how it has been described in the Game of Thrones book series, as well as how the climate of the arid southernmost region of Westeros is portrayed. The project began after watching an episode of Game of Thrones with a friend. Uh, he told, uh, unfiltered, who, where the story comes from. We thought that if it may, it, we thought that it may be very interesting to have the possibility to drink the wine from Dorne. Sadly, after some research, I discovered that there wasn't a wine like that. So I decided to make one, like you do. Um rarely an episode goes by that we don't se- see a noble character holding a goblet of wine aloft as they make covert alliances or order death sentences. So we knew or we know the juice is likely quite good still. Uh the or sorry, juice. quite good. The yeah, the juice. Um so uh they they wouldn't have a he's saying they didn't have a lot of descriptions about the wine in the TV show, but uh <laughs> But as quote, fans of the books now uh, the, the best thing is a quote from him saying after reading all of the books I had more than 40 pages of wine information
3: because Martin That's does just not, wine yeah <laughs> Martin does not skimp on the descriptions of every last meal as uh yeah. this, this <laughs> Paul Paul storm from, yeah. put it yeah he he gives you like as the honey dribbled down their chin as their yeah. teeth sank into the delicious tender meat and uh, it, it's that. So the show is like actual porn, whereas the books are food it's porn. Food porn, <laughs> yeah.
0: food porn and gore. Um, so it says the uh, the main information was fruity, powerful, but easy to drink with an intense dark color. That was a description, basically, I guess that I he it. got from <laughs> the book.
3: I want it. I need it. I, I need it for my watching party uh, to get ready. Uh, if everyone is, as of recording of this, uh, we are, if you started four days ago, you're on track if you watch an episode of Game of Thrones a night to uh, be ready to have gone through the whole series leading up <laughs> wow, to the premiere. I That's about That's not it.
1: how this works. Yeah. You don't do a an episode of night of any show.
0: Yeah, you really can't. Although, I don't know, Game of Thrones with some of the content in that, like... No, you can't you watch anything. You, you can't, can't watch another one after that. I would have to have, just be like,
3: oh god. For most of them, I could do that, and I was always thirsty for the next episode. I, except I say, for the Hodor one, of which I need oh. a week to recover. I'm still <laughs> yeah. not over it. I, I mean, I, we—I still remember that we were ugly crying yeah. through that whole. We were just the episode ends, and we both just sat there and held each other and cried for another half hour.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I went and made a sandwich. Um... But I was like, yeah, no, I, I've binge watched the whole thing at least twice.
0: God, I couldn't rewatch some most of the like, episodes. And I'm like, wait, one a night? Just one? Come on. <laughs> well, that's because you, you, you can watch the it. crazy
2: stuff. Inconceivable. <laughs> I keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means.
3: Anyway, so uh, <laughs>
1: it's the knob creek. It's getting to me.
3: Can, can yeah. we throw another reference in there? Come on, somebody.
0: The knob
2: creek is turning him into Wallace Shawn. It's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just wait till tomorrow. <laughs>
0: uh, but so the the wine they they basically made a merlot. Um, Said so that once they had their grape picked out, um, they knew. Uh, they would need to source it from vines in sandy soils to mimic the terrain of the fictional peninsula that is Dorn. A warm- Wait, is there
2: soil where there's also sand? I thought, mm. I thought they like kept each other apart.
0: I What's the definition they're using, of soil? I assume they're using soil as one would use earth, like a generic term. Yeah. But yeah, so the, the Dornish weather is supposed to be warm, dry summer. Uh, and then th- it turns out they had a warm, dry summer in Bordeaux in 2016, which gave them the appropriate weather. Um, so note, this wine is a 2016 vintage. Um, so it says the result is not one, but two cuvées uh, made in the Dornish style. So they have the Dornish wine uh, Castillon, uh, coats de Bordeaux red. Tw- and then they also have the Imps Delight. Uh, uh,
3: which is what everyone will buy. Because direct reference. Yeah, but
0: right. Uh, says the of course the latter named after Tyrion. Uh, so and while Westeros and wine spectators, se- bleh, spectators typically prefer wine, uh, those seeking the harder stuff might enjoy, of course, the Diageo HBO um, single malt Scotch whiskeys that they came out with. Um, yeah, which is. I mean, uh, in fairness,
2: I always drink I always drink whiskey and Scotch while watching uh, Game of Thrones. So mm-hmm.
0: I still want to try the lock of just because lock of but uh yeah Uh, the uh, only thing that kills me about this article is that i don't see anywhere like i don't know that they're possible to buy like there's no link there's no there's nothing (laughs) on the vintners website there's nothing
1: i do want to say from what i see 2016 was apparently a really good year in bordeaux so it's Hmm. not like they're just trying to get rid of bad wine by putting in good marketing right Um, 2016 apparently is one of the great years out there, so... Okay. Well, I feel he's... like this Vietnamese
2: man's either had a great or terrible year.
3: So, yeah, uh, when you read the headline, uh, like I did initially, and you're like, oh, well, this man's a... This, he's a hero. I don't understand why you have to have your stomach <laughs> pumped after 15 cans of beer. That, that doesn't seem... I mean, I can outdo I can that guy. But no, he had 15 Pump- cans of beer pumped into his stomach. To save his life from alcohol poisoning, let that sink in for two seconds. Casey immediately uh, cracked this one. <laughs> no. Is that like
2: is that like causing a uh, uh, setting like a fire break to?
3: That, that's kind
2: of where All right, I want to start another one here to kill off. That's where, it's it's where it's my going.
3: mind was going is this like the Napoleon thing, like that the whole thing where they're like he took too much poison and whatever. is like, oh, we've got to put more beer in the man, and it comes out quicker, and it'll no. Uh, so. A man from Vietnam who was dying from alcohol poisoning was reportedly saved by doctors after pumping 15 cans of beer into his stomach. The man, identified as 48-year-old, not going to try and say his name, was rushed yeah, to a hospital, uh, yeah. <laughs> rushed to a hospital in a central uh, Vietnamese province of not going to try and say it after he was found unconscious on December 25th. So Christmas was not kind to this man. <laughs> Uh, medical staff at the general Hospital's intensive care unit led by a doctor not going to try and say his name immediately pumped even though it says pumped uh, three um, cans of <laughs>
2: jams pumped
3: <laughs> three cans of beer into him to slow his liver's processing of methanol a dangerous type of alcohol to give doctors time to save his life. whereas <laughs> ethanol is the main form of alcohol in alcoholic beverages. Methanol, is a more toxic form of alcohol found in small amounts in alcoholic beverages, and is also a byproduct of fermentation. You
2: no, know, they were pumping into it to get it faster. But I just like to picture them like sitting in the like sit them up in the hospital way, like look, we're gonna have to save you. Drink,
3: Drink this, chug. They, no, they've got yeah, like a beer funnel.
1: <laughs> if he weren't unconscious, that would be the the way you did it.
3: Yeah. No, like, they, they put a can up to his mouth, they
2: punch a hole in it, and they just start. All right, go.
1: I, I mean, I have to think that they put a tube into it. And they were like cracking
3: cans and dumping them and down the, into tube. the funnel. That had to funnel. It was an unconscious beer bong is what was happening. <laughs> but what beer was it? Uh, I mean, given the province, not a good one. Oh, yeah. Well,
1: I, I, so, I'm going to let you finish. And then I got something on this.
3: <laughs> Before, I'm going to let you finish. So it can also good. be found in gasoline antifreeze paint thinners, adhesives, cleaning products, inks, and some beverages such as bootleg liquor. Methanol is not processed well by the liver and ends up getting converted converted to formaldehyde and then formic acid, toxic substances that can cause permanent blindness, nervous system depression, and possibly death. Uh, His levels were reportedly 1,000 times over the safe limit.
1: Oh, maybe like zero.
3: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Over the course of the day, doctors pumped 15 cans of beer into the man, helping to halt the conversion of formaldehyde to formic acid. Uh, Since the liver processes ethanol first, which beer has large quantities of, this gave doctors the time they needed to perform dialysis on the man to remove the methanol from his system and ultimately (laughs) save his life. Com- I like
2: the idea that it's like ethanol just comes
3: barreling through his body. Like, no, 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 me first. You got to get to that bathroom. <laughs> yeah. By comparison, ethanol, the primary form of alcohol found in alcoholic beverages, is still toxic when consumed. Let that sink in for a second. Uh, in large amounts. But is broken down by an enzyme and ultimately metabolized into water and carbon dioxide before being expelled by the body. So what the hell? Okay. I wish we could find out what he was drinking. Like so, bootleg liquor is probably the the culprit here, but I want to be like, ah, I think he was he was Jonesing and he was drinking some antifreeze. Or, well, no, that would have resulted in something else. But well, <laughs> maybe maybe
1: that's the case. Like most of these methanol poisonings do do happen when someone's completely alcoholic to the point where they're just drinking whatever they can to get that drunk. And, uh, you know, it very well may have been the fact that they he saw alcohol of some sort on the side of a label and said, OK, I'm going to drink this. And it was know, paint thinner or something along those lines. Yeah. So that's that's not completely unheard of. And that's that's usually the way it goes.
2: Like those uh, kids I knew back in back in <laughs> school, they would drink uh, hand sanitizer or rubbing alcohol to get.
1: Oh. Yeah. Rubbing alcohol is a, a wood alcohol. It's it's a totally different from ethanol. That's. Mm-hmm. Yep same same sort of sort of thing so a couple points number 1 there was a house episode about this yeah there so, was
2: wasn't there i, I you know <laughs> what i remember that now that you're saying i was like that's right there was one where he's like cracking beers to
1: well i remember it as there there was like a prisoner and he was he was suicidal and so house goes in and the prisoner had drank like toner or something like a, a something from a copy machine, basically. Yeah, um, toner remover or something like that, and and basically was trying to commit suicide, and so House goes in and he's like, you know what, it's yeah, there's nothing I can do for you here. I've brought a bottle of vodka. Let's pour some shots and just start taking shots. <laughs> and so he basically saves the guy's life by by doing this and going through that same process, although. Uh, it, they use the, the idea that it slows the processing so that the formaldehyde can process it out. It's not it's not going to process out. It's a houseism. Um We'll yeah. let it go on that. Second, beer instead of liquor doesn't make a whole... What was make on, a ho- what was on make hand? Ho- yeah, exactly, and that's that's exactly where I'm going with this. Beer instead of liquor doesn't make sense until you realize that hospitals keep Budweiser in stock in their drug systems. So that you can go and buy – you can, as, as a drug, you can go and the doctor can order two cans of Budweiser an hour or something like that. And, and you can basically go and say, okay, here's your, your Budweiser. It would have been a whole lot easier to-, to pour down 15 shots of vodka in this guy's stomach, but 15 beers over that long a period is what they had on hand. Is that, uh, is
2: that what they prescribe when they need you to – it's like, no, look, we need a urine sample.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that'll work right well on that Works. usually it's for those alcoholics that um, are going to go oh, into DTs 70, if no. you don't oh, yeah. so you, you keep them on um, you keep them on a certain amount beer is usually good for that because it, it kind of lets them slowly give it into their system um, but yeah it's usually for alcoholics to, to kind of treat them so that I mean if you get somebody that comes in the ER and they've got alcohol poisoning and and they've had you know a 12 pack of beer Sorry, not even a 12 pack. Usually 24 or more per day, and you get them cold turkey, they're going to go into seizures. So it's yeah. a matter of just making sure you keep the alcohol content in their body up high enough until you can get them stabilized. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that's the you know we were talking about what kind of beer, and usually it's the the <laughs> so, cores of the the worlds. So you're saying
2: they should have used vodka though to get. it to get it through faster.
1: I mean, if you're going to try to pump 12-ounce beers, 15, 12-ounce beers into a guy's stomach, that's going to be uncomfortable. Just give him a a shot of vodka and it's going to be the same amount of of, uh, alcohol, but a smaller amount of liquid and it gets it done faster.
2: Your vodka could change depending on where you are. Like Canada. Oh! Well done! (laughs) Don't call attention to the segue. Uh, (laughs) No, uh... The federal government in Canada, Canada, opens consultation on the definition of vodka, which we got from the Edmonton Sun. I like how they call Uh, it
1: consultations,
2: not discussions.
1: It's consultations.
2: Well, the federal government is asking Canadians how they like their vodka. Uh, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has uncorked. It's going to be a lot of these, so buckle up. Uh, uncorked consultations on whether to redefine the clear, neutral spirit and open interprovincial uh, trade to, for craft distillers who want to try something new. The current definition of vodka is food as uh, in the Food and Drug Regulations limits the ability of distillers to create innovative vodka using other ingredients, says uh, Kathy Twardick. Yeah, hmm. who oversee? Uh, who's overseeing the vodka rethink for the agency? The Canadian. You rules know,
1: are- Oh, go ahead. I, I, I went back and looked at some of the Edmonton Sun's other articles, and I totally get that this is going to have a ton of those puns in it because they have an article on their front page that is titled "Fake Dollar Dollar Bills Some Circulating in Edmonton Area." Hmm. <laughs>
2: Well, the Canadian rules are tight. Uh, vodka can only be made from grain or potatoes. It must be filtered through charcoal and must be colorless and odor- as odorless as possible. If it isn't, it can't be labeled vodka, which normally, when we see stuff like this, they're trying to make it either like generally they're trying to make it more restrictive. Apparently, in Canada, they're like, no let's, let's broaden our terms. Maybe we want more some- liberal. Maybe we want some uh, some bacon vodka because we're monsters. <laughs> uh, maybe for a Bloody Mary,
1: <laughs> which is also bacon? something
2: I won't. Dr- which is a also little, something I won't drink.
1: A little bacon flavored vodka, a little bit of caraway uh, aquavit. You know, thanks, smoke. Uh,
2: but the true spirit of the spirit said David Farron, the president of Eau Claire. Clary Distillery in Turner uh, uh, Turner Valley. I don't know which thing that is. Uh, a lot of vodka in the usual European village production was whatever starchy grain or produce that didn't make the grade for food. Uh, if you're going through Europe and you're tasting vodka, you'd get slight variations in flavor from village to village, and that has been the tradition of vodka. Craft distillers are no, now making uh, vodka out of everything from grapes to apples to dairy products, which we talked about last week. Each source imparts a slightly different character it, uh, to the finished result. Nothing is neutral in the world, uh, said Adam Smith of Edmonton's Strathcona Spirits. Uh, even distillers using traditional grains are shaking and stirring the old norms. We carbon filter it because we have to by law. But the filter uh, we filter it very lightly because we use the best wheat in the world and we don't want to take all that expression of the grain out. So that's interesting. I usually think of when I think of vodka, I think of them trying to get... I, I will say I try to think of them getting to the most neutral spirit unless they're doing weird, crazy-flavored vodkas.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what it comes down to, right? Like, is it vodka if it's not right pure, flavorless, you know, just thing? <laughs> like, it should be basically water that gets you drunk in the best form.
1: I mean, vodka is... Vodka is traditionally known as that flavorless spirit. But there are so many nuances that you get from the various different grains or the, whatever you put in as the base. Should it be its own and should flavored vodkas be their own category in addition to that? And and if I were to step back and say, okay, let's not look at how this affects how people buy liquor. Let's just look at how it affects the, the actual nomenclature of alcoholic beverages. You've got vodka which is traditionally made with these certain uh, certain things but it's basically made to be flavorless is that different from a a beverage made to have the nuances of wheat is that different from a beverage made to have nuances of whatever the the you know grape is that you made it from in the in the sake of sirac or something like that mm-hmm. and i think that is i think vodka with nuances okay and if you distill it multiple times to get that flavor and don't charcoal filter it, I think that's great. But on the other side, should a flavored cotton candy <laughs> beverage that's forty percent alcohol be called vodka? And I don't think so. I think that's different from having a grain imparted flavor
2: well, in their this case, O'Clair's uh, Claire's vodka was rejected from Quebec shelves because it retained a slight grain flavor. And they said, we can't sell it in Ontario but we sell all through Florida. Snowbirds <laughs> like it.
1: And, uh, is it the, and is it the government's responsibility to taste the beverage and say, oh, no, this is too much flavor?
2: Yeah. Like, nope. Nope. I can taste something. <laughs> Not going to do it. Let's see here. Uh, Jane Westcott of the uh, Spirits, Canada. Uh, sorry, Canada. Uh, Canadian. Uh, the no, you were right the first the time. The Stillers Industry Association said this group welcomes the government review as long as labeling... Rules make it clear to the consumers exactly what they're get- getting. What distillers are doing is reflecting the kind of agricultural products that are available to them. Uh, they they also noted that the Europe and the U.S. are looser on their... Uh, loosened their rules on vodka long ago. The industry supports making it easier for distillers in one province to sell to their fellow Canadians elsewhere. Yeah. So... Um, uh, they they do you subject? also... Yeah, they do also mention vodka as one example, but similar barrels, uh, berries exist for whiskey. At mm. that we point, no. that. whiskey has to be exactly
3: what it's supposed to be.
1: We don't want any of that, that Canadian whiskey coming down here and calling itself bourbon mash.
3: No, no, <laughs> but we do want some of that Canadian whiskey just coming down here in general. That that deliciously sweet, mapley Canadian whiskey. That was,
1: oh, oh, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, the one that's half maple syrup, half oh, whiskey. Oh, yeah, I want to... Yes. Oh.
3: Um, Shot of that on my pancakes. Oh,
1: I do want to say, Bob, your your Canadia mishap, not that big of a deal. Let me uh, I don't want to engage in one upmanship, but I went to Canada and was giving a presentation in front of Canadian students and called it Canadia. (laughs) <laughs> and I was very embarrassed. I'm sure I was turning red <laughs> in front of this group of, of, of kids. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> how about that? They think I'm an idiot.
2: It's like, Canada, I mean, Canada, I come from
1: Americia. <laughs> America. I come from America. Uh, I was wearing my MAGA hat. Twitch. <laughs> just kidding.
2: Just, all, right. all right. But that's, yeah, that's basically it for, for this. They're just talking about... Uh, yeah, hoping I mean, to be able to to sell between provinces and get some you know unique vodkas.
3: Yeah, that's uh, again we see the opposite of this uh, stateside. Yeah. So like we are we're narrowing bourbon even more like every day. They're just like no. <laughs>
1: I think it just depends on who you've got in as your your leadership at the time. Some. I, I, not not getting political or anything like that, but there are some groups that are more conservative on these things, some groups that are more liberal on on getting your – so currently we're getting more, okay, do we want to say it has to be from a certain space or have to have certain things to be labeled as um, uh, American whiskey or as yeah. um, even bourbon? Do we want to – I think right now there's there's talks about do we want to label where it's actually made? in the mm. in the case of mgp
3: yes and, right.
1: and so that may go a totally different direction if you get somebody else that's heading up the executive branch it just depends on where that goes i'm not saying that that that's going on right now i'm just saying right, right. those guidance things happen with who you put in that office
0: yeah like anything else
1: pretty much and with that. trudeau up there right now it's a it's very much a, a kind of a a liberal environment i think it kind of would go towards expanding those things
0: right all right that's fair All right, well, uh, we would like to remind everyone, this is our news-only show, but we also do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. Uh, If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. You can also go to our store, haveadrinkstore.com. We will see you again next Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Twitch. And once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker.
1: I'm Justin Frazier.
3: I'm Christopher Walker.
1: And I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.
3: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>